you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and make your way to Luke chapter 7. We're continuing our series called Meet Jesus as we kind of find our way through the the gospel of Luke, the the gospel account that Luke has given us, and just looking at different pictures or, or snapshots of Jesus through his interactions with the people that that Luke has recorded for us. And so as we work our way through, we're not going technically verse by verse all the time, but we're looking at these snapshots and then kind of diving into those so that we can kind of see who Jesus is. Look at the person, look at how he interacted with the people so then we could see then how we should interact as believers or how we should see people in, in light of that. And so today we find ourselves in Luke chapter 7. Uh, we're going to be in verses 36 through, through 50, but, but before we read that, I kind of want to set the stage kind of where we're going so that as we read and, and as I read and you, you follow along, you kind of start asking those questions because it's good to ask questions. We, we like having this idea that to know people, you ask questions, right? And we're in community with people, you want to ask questions because then you actually get to know them. And if you just talk about yourself the entire time, you never know who they were and you leave and you're like... What just happened? You know, you just, you know? And so we want to ask questions of, of the text. And, and so when, when, when we read through this in just a second, kind of throughout the, this morning, I want you to ask yourself, who do you relate to in the story? There's different characters. Who do, you, who do you relate to in that story? And so as we're looking at that, as we read this in just a second, just think about that. Think of as you read what's happening in this, this passage, start thinking, who do you relate to in the story? Like which, which character seems to be you in that? Not that we always project ourselves into Scripture, but just kind of who, who does that relate to in your mind? So if you will, follow along. Uh, we're going to be reading verses 36 through 50. So in Luke chapter 7, verse 36, he says, One of the Pharisees asked him, that's Jesus, asked him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who was touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answering him, Said to answering, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? And Simon answered, The one, I suppose, from whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You do not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your, feet, your faith saved you. Go in peace. 
If you will pray with me again as we just ask the Spirit to guide us through this time this morning. Father God, we, God, we thank you that you've given us your truth. God, we thank you that you speak to us, that you spoke your word, that you inspired Luke to write this so that we might have your truth for us now. God, we just pray that today that, that how we handle your truth would be honest. God, that we wouldn't try to manipulate it or, or fold it into to what's comfortable for us. God, but we'd allow your truth by the work of your spirit to, to shape our hearts and our lives. God, and we just thank you for the love that you've given us and that you displayed in, in your son dying for us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. And so when you look at that story, it's kind of, a, a, kind of an odd story, right? If, you, if, you're, if we're honest, you look at it and you're like, it would have been interesting to see that, right? Like if you were one of the, the, the bystanders in there, it would have been interesting to see, right? It would have kind of been commotion. It, you read it and it's like, oh, it's kind of a calm thing. And you're like, not really. You know, when she's crying and, and weeping up to where she's using that to wet his feet, like it's not a quiet cry, right? At that point, it's this crazy, like everyone's getting awkward, right? Do you see that? It's like, wait a second. This is, we read it and we have this tendency to look at it and think, oh, it's just a story about a woman washing his feet with her tears and drying with her hair. And, it, 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 and at that point, you're like, that's kind of gross, right? If we're honest, like, that's kind of weird. And, and we miss what's happening, though. We miss that because we don't see ourselves as these people. We don't see ourselves that, that there's two main interactions with Jesus in this. It's the Pharisee that inviting him in and then the woman, right? And so when we're looking at that, which do you relate to? It's, it's basically one or the other. Are you a person like the Pharisee that kind of congratulates yourself that you're better than some people? Like the, the Pharisees tend to be the bad guys in the story, but, but we sometimes can relate to them because a lot of times the Pharisees are like a lot of church people, right? They, they, they kind of think if something's happening, I just have to outrun one, right? If, if someone's coming, I just can't be the last one, right? And that's kind of how they are. And that's the, the reaction that he has. He's like, oh, I'm kind of I'm glad I'm not like her. Like, how can you let her touch you? She's a sinner. Or you might be the woman who realizes that you're in this desperate need for forgiveness. Because really, if you, if you look at the, the title, you're, you're your Bible might list this out as a sinful woman forgiven. And really, it is a story of forgiveness. It's, it's a story of forgiveness. We're understanding what's happening. It, but really, we have an interaction between a sinful woman with Jesus and a righteous person with Jesus in their mind, right? And so kind of as we look at this, we kinda, I kind of want to go through the, the faith aspect of this story of forgiveness. And, and, and the first thing that we see in that is that there's an awareness to the need for forgiveness, if we're going to start and look at this idea, we need to understand that there's a, an awareness that has to happen. And that's a, those first few verses. In, in 36 through 40, that's the, kind of the crazy part, that first part. It's, it's her washing his feet, wiping them, anointing them with the, the, the expensive perfume and the alabaster uh, a jar and, or stone holder. And so we see the setting then at this Pharisee's house. He's invited Jesus in. Clearly, he's heard about who he was. You can kind of see how he responds that, that he probably thinks that he's a prophet of God, and so he's kind of testing him. You kind of see that this is kind of a test. Like, I'm going invite to you, invite you in, and I'm going to see how you respond. And then I'm going to determine whether or not you are who you say you are. So it's setting in a Pharisee's house. We, we find his name, Simon. And, and so we, we see these interactions. It's good to understand. I like looking at the setting because I know for me I have a hard time placing these as real people in real events. 
right? And so it was. It was at this person's house. And so if we look at the original audience of Scripture, there, there's a good chance that they would have known who Simon the Pharisee was, that this happened. And so we can, we can place this at this place. And so we see that there's an awareness because we see who they are. And so I kind of want to look at these, these two people, kind of contrast them, if you will, as we, as we go through this, the awareness. So who were they? Who, who does Simon, the Pharisee, who, who were they? They were the devout, devout religious person, right? He was, they, that's what they did. If you've, you always hear Pharisees are the bad people, they were bad because they were so devoted to obedience that they missed Jesus. Like these were the people that thought, if I obey the law, every part of the law was captive to their life. Like they, were, they were who you want to be outside of the judgment. And so what happened is they, they were so good about obeying the law, they were so good at that, that they separated themselves from the sinners. And that you can see the reaction here. Like She's not invited, if you didn't get that. She, she wasn't on the, the guest list. Like She snuck in at a risk because the Pharisees didn't, interact with those people because that might affect their cleanliness. And so we look at that and we think, man, the Pharisees were bad people. They were bad people because they did the right things for the wrong reasons. There's something to learn about their devotion and obedience, but that's, that's who they were. They, but they failed to have an awareness of their need for forgiveness because they failed to see who Christ was. They, they failed to see who he was. But then you have the, the woman of the city is how Luke says it. We don't know why she was known as a sinner. There's a good chance that it was because of her, a shady past. Most people comment that she was probably a prostitute and something along that lines. And so, but she was known by her sin. The Pharisee knew that she was a sinner, right? He, he doesn't ask her. He doesn't, he's just like, how does Jesus not know? Like, I know. How does he not know that she's a sinner? So she was known for sin. She was a sinner. And so when we look at that and we look at her reaction, we see that she had an awareness of her need. That there was this awareness of that because of her reaction when she met Jesus. She went to great lengths to find him. The risk of getting, she's already been outcast, so it probably wasn't that. But, but she, she went at great length, and then she's sitting there behind him. And if you look at the dinner and the, the way they ate, they reclined and their feet were kind of away so it's not like she was reaching underneath a chair and everything. They were, they were reclined. Her feet were behind, his feet were behind him. And so she's, that's why she comes behind. Like she's, that's how she would have been able to approach him. And so we see this idea and this awareness. And we see this a very an emotional thing. And, and we have a tendency to think emotions are bad. Right? That, that if we have these emotional outcomes. I remember one time I was listening to a guy. Um, his name was is Matt Carter. He's a pastor at the Austin Stone. And at one point he said that when they interview people for new positions, they ask them, when's the last time the gospel brought you to tears? And when I heard that, I was like, that's weird. Right? That's, a, that's a weird question to ask somebody. Because if, if you're like me, you've been taught that the emotions can be good, but, but really that's for a private thing. And, and what they were talking about in that and asking those people that, it, that when's the last time the gospel brought you to tears, it's this idea of when's the last time that you became so aware of what Christ did for you that your emotions welled up that way. And that's what happened to this lady. She had such an awareness of what's happening. You can see that her, her, her tears were likely sorrow and joyful. right? Sorrow because who she was, but joyful because who he was. Right? She sees Christ and she gets it. She's aware of what she wants and what she needs. And that's why it's good to ask yourself, who do you relate to? Because if you find yourself relating to the Pharisee, to seeing those people that are sinners and thinking, how can they be included in this? 
then you don't necessarily understand the awareness that you need to have of your own need of the gospel. Because if you're like the woman, you see who Jesus is and you see who you are in comparison. And that should well up inside of you. And in, in, in sorrow and joy. And sorrow and joy. Because our faith is revealed by the awareness of our need for forgiveness. Because we don't get past that. We don't graduate from the gospel need of forgiveness. We, we, become, we can overcome that as we become sanctified and the Spirit understands and, and opens that up deeper and deeper, then we overcome that. But we never outgrow our need to go back to Christ for forgiveness. We constantly need that. And so just, just imagine the scene again. Verse 38. I, just, oh, I was reading that over and over. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, wiped them with her, the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, anointing them with oil. Can you imagine the Pharisee's face? Right? Because I mean, I'm thinking, that's, that's crazy. Much less someone, he's got this guy in his house now, and then someone comes in. Have you ever had that? You ever invited people to your house, and they're like the crazy, outspoken, and you're like, oh my gosh, why are they telling another story? Right? I feel like that's what he's thinking. Like, what is she doing? She's ruining everything. But one, because she's a sinner. And now she's making the scene. Everyone's focused on her and not on the Pharisee and, and us church people that don't understand that. We don't like that. We don't like other people to get the attention. We want it because who we are. And so imagine that scene. And then you see in 39, how many times have you, have you responded this way? Now when the Pharisee had invited him, who had invited him, saw himself, he said, if this man were a prophet, he would have known what sort of woman this was who was touching him, for she's a sinner. Right? Do we ever do that? Like, do they, do they know who that is? Do they know who that person is that they're going with? Do they, do they understand that? You see, the, the thing we need to understand about this awareness that we see in these first few verses of this passage is the, the Pharisee wasn't wrong about the reality of her sin. He wasn't wrong. She was a sinner. But he was wrong about the attitude toward her. And he was wrong about the awareness of himself. But he wasn't wrong about her being a sinner. She was. She was aware of that. He was aware of that. Jesus was aware of that. Yet, he didn't think that Jesus responded accordingly. And that's so many times what happens. And that's so often why the church has that bad example within the community is because we see those that are sinners and we forget that we are too. We have to have a continual awareness of that because it's okay to be a sinner. It's okay because we know who Christ is. We know that he died for us, that he rose again, that he will come back. That's why that song is such an amazing example of that. We also see an, an attitude of faith in this story of forgiveness. If you look, we're going to kind of take them out of order. I'm sorry if that bothers you, but we're going to go, go one part and then come back before. Because um, verse 41 through, through 46, there's, there's a, this is Jesus' teaching moment, right? He sees this and he's like, wait a second, I have something to teach you. So and this is what I'm going to do because I'm a teacher, right? And, and Simon realizes, he says, say it, teacher. So, but I want to focus first on 44 through 46. We're going to come back to the other one. Sorry that we're going out of order. Forgive, forgive me. So in verse 44, he says, Then turning toward the woman, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, and, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. 
And when we look at that, we see a crazy contrast in the attitude in which they approach Jesus. Because the Pharisee, I tend to think because it's arrogance. I, I think a lot of stuff goes back to arrogance, if we're honest. And, and so what happened then is he didn't greet Jesus the way he should have. You see that. Jesus like, you didn't, you didn't give me any water for my feet. Remember, they wore sandals. They're in the desert. Like, they, their feet were dirty. It was... That's, that's something you did. That was a, a hospitable thing to do, was provide that. And he had neglected to do that. He hadn't welcomed him with the kiss. I always think of Bobby in the, the, the greeting kiss, because he always jokes about that. But he's not going to on the front porch, don't worry. We already talked, all right? So you don't have to be worried when you see him at the door. But he, he, he likes to joke about that, just so you know. But, but he didn't do, the Pharisee didn't do any of that. He didn't do any, to me, it has to be because he was trying to see who Jesus was. If you, if you exclude that, what's customary, then you're going to see his reaction, but it revealed his attitude, right? It, it kind of backfired on this because this arrogance, he clouded his, his interaction with Jesus and how he saw this woman. And then you see the woman, she does the proper greeting, but takes it to the complete extreme, right? You didn't wet my feet. No, she just cried her tears and did it. And it's like, wait a second. It just gets weird again, right? But what we see in her attitude is a proper understanding who Jesus is. It was that emotional outflow. It's the attitude of faith that realized her need for forgiveness. It was the extreme greeting. And so it allows us to see these people and ask who we relate to and then turn that into how do we, see, how do we approach Jesus? Do we approach him as just he's a, as a, an equal person and just like, oh, everything's cool. You know, we don't really exclude it because we're friends. Maybe we're past that point. Or do we approach him as he's the Savior? Like, see, that's who he is. Because how our attitude develops itself within us is going to be visible to other people around us. I always talk about our neighbors. They know, right? They know who you are. If you don't know that, they do. They watch you out their blinds because that's what you do to them right you hear a loud noise and you raise the blinds right and you do it so like in the corner so you, they can't see right <laughs> if we're being all right you've done it don't don't act like you haven't but but that's what happens right With our attitude how we approach jesus and how we say it's going to be visible to everyone outside of us and it was to these people here right they had to see the difference they had to see the difference in how the attitude reflected their reactions and their interactions with Jesus. It had to be, and it should be ours as well. But we can't miss Jesus' teaching moment, right? So let's go back to verse 41. He said, A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt. Right? That's great, right? Hey, you don't have to pay. And, and Simon gets it right. He said, Which one loved you more? The one who got forgiven more, right? And that, that's just common sense, right? If you got forgiven a better debt, you're going to have more gratitude towards the person that forgave it than someone that had less. That's just a, a common interaction. But what we need to see in that is that, that what Jesus is saying is that it doesn't matter how much a perceived sinner is. They're all forgiven, right? That it's all forgiven in that. But we can't take it so far because some people take that and say, okay, well, Jesus is talking about forgiveness, that everyone's been forgiven. We see that. And then they just allow people then to just completely overrun the teaching of the Bible just to do whatever. And so that's when we have to remind ourselves, like, like Paul in Romans 6, is that we continue to sin so grace can abound more? No. 
right? So it's not just a, a free reign on sin then, but it's a, Jesus is teaching that, that it doesn't matter the level of sin. It's been canceled the same. And so there should be some level of gratitude where someone understands that's, that's far worse, understands all the more that Christ has done. But ultimately, we all realize that we all are in our sin. And that's why it's okay to say that. Like, I, have, I have some friends that we, we talk about church often and, and they're pastors other places and we, we talk about the, the time we do just the confession prayer and stuff and they're like, why do you do that? I'm like, why don't you? It's just, it's an acknowledgement of that. And it's not this big blown thing, but it's okay to see that we're sinners. Like, it's okay to tell people that they're sinners through relationships. Like, we're not just going to go out there and say, you're a sinner because I've watched you through my blinds and I see what you've done, right? It's, you don't do that, but if you have a good enough relationship and you've taken time to invest in their life, even though they're different, then you can say, you know, here's why we say that, because this is ultimately what you're finding in yourself instead of finding it in Christ. It's the attitude to understand that. So it's okay to realize we're sinners, because Jesus offers that forgiveness. It's been there. He's lived for us. He died for us. He rose so that we might live, and he will return to establish his kingdom. So our attitude in this should be like these people. We should understand because the, the woman throughout this story culturally is the bad person. But through the gospel lens, she's the correct person. You see that? The gospel, he turns it upside down all the time. The Pharisees were doing it right. But she had the correct understanding of who Jesus was and that interaction. And then ultimately, we, we see the faith at work, that, that we need to have like an actionable faith. That, that when we have faith and we understand and we have this awareness of who we are, this need for sin, uh, for forgiveness of our sin, we have that proper attitude as we approach Jesus, we realize that our faith is what draws us to action. And that's where we get into verse 50. And verse 50 is, is the counter again to why we don't just live however we want to. It's not everything. He says, and he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. See, this is the difference between the Pharisee and the woman. Because the Pharisee, Simon, he was there. Everything that he had done to that point was to, to gain righteousness by what he's done. And so verse 50 is this clear indicator that it's the faith that had saved the woman. It's not her actions. It was her faith. It was the actions produced by her faith, yes, but we see that she had this genuine saving faith. And we talk about that all the time, that there's, there's regular faith, that people have faith in the idea of Jesus. That's not saving faith. Saving faith is rooted in the person of Jesus, and it's grown in the love of Jesus. That when we truly have faith, it's not in just this idea. It's what he did. It's his love displayed on the cross. That's, when we understand that, that's genuine faith. And that's what this woman displayed. Because she sees that. She went to him. She understood it. You can't say that she didn't understand who she was. Not with that reaction. But you can say the Pharisee didn't really get it. An awareness of personal sinfulness is, is born out of this uh, actionable faith, this saving faith. Because then we, we can be okay with being sinners. Because we know who he is. Because we know who Jesus is. And so when we look at that, we, we then see that, that saving faith, then it overflows into giving our gifts back to Jesus. It, it overflows into that. That's why we say every, every week when we talk about giving, we say giving's a part of worship. Why? Because our faith should overflow in giving gifts back to him. 
that it's not this legalistic, you have to give, but it should be an expression of worship because we give back of our time, energy, and resources because of what he's done. That's where genuine faith comes in. It's, it's an action. If, if you see someone and they say they have faith in Christ, yet they do nothing but judge their neighbors, then they don't have genuine faith. It may be in the idea of what Jesus taught, but not in the person of Jesus. And so that's, and, and that's what we want to be known for here at Watershed. We want to, people to walk in the first time and just see genuine people okay with the fact that we're sinners because we know who Jesus is. And that doesn't mean we're going to just live in rampant sin, but it means we're going to point people to Christ where that forgiveness is. And our faith is going to allow us to be honest about who we are. Because when we're honest about who we are, the opposite is we're honest about who Christ is. And we see that who he is, then we know that it doesn't matter, that I don't have to do anything because we screw it up. Right? I, I think I say that all the time. But I screw it up quite often. But yet, Christ is there to forgive and has done that. And so that saving faith, it overflows in giving back gifts to Christ because we've been given everything. Like we can't earn what he's given us. Why? Because it's told here. Your faith has saved you. It's the faith in the expression of what she did. It wasn't that she anointed his feet. It wasn't that she washed them with her tears and dried them with her hair. It was the, the faith that brought her to that experience is what, what that was. And that's why Jesus can say your faith has saved you. And that then allows us then to realize why Jesus accepted all people because he knew it wasn't about their actions. And that's what the Pharisee had a problem with, right? That's what, that's what he said. He's like, how could he let that person? Surely he's not a prophet because he's letting that sinner touch him. And see, you might know people that, that claim to be Christians, and you're like, surely you're not going to be friends with those people. Do you, know, do you know who they are? Like, how can you actually like them? It's like, you don't have to like everybody, but you can love people because Christ loved us when we we're unlovable. He didn't, he didn't figure out, he didn't say, figure yourself out, and then you can come to me. He said, no, I'll die for you. And your trespasses and sin. And so Jesus' acceptance of sinners leads us to realize that our visual expression of faith is how we accept other people. That's why they always say the church should be the most diverse thing. Because it's people creating his image. Creating his likeness, full of value because of that. And so we should welcome everyone in. And then through relationships say, well, this is why we say this is sin. This is why that is. Because then you have a relationship and a caring and understanding relationship. People can understand. They can hear that. They're tired of people preaching at them and saying that we're better than you like the Pharisees. They want someone that's real and accepting. That's who Jesus was. He was a friend of sinners, right? So why isn't the church? He still called them. The woman on the well is the best example. He, said, right, he met her at her sin. He says, and she came to him and says, my husband. He's like, that's not your husband you're living with. So he didn't say, no, you're not sinner. It's okay to keep doing that. No, he called it out. And they said, but go and do like different. Like, don't be that person. But it was within, we have to do that within a relationship. And really that leads us into kind of a, a, an overall application to what's happening here. And we see this idea that, that Jesus, one, is he's over physical and spiritual. You see that. You kind of get that in those, the, the reaction of those people that those who were at the table, what they said, who is this that can even forgive sins? Like they knew about the miracles. Now he's, he's ratcheting up a notch, right? Now it's not just the, 
the miracles and a physical thing. Now it's, he's forgiving sins too. Yeah, because he's God in the flesh. And so that leaves us to understand who do we relate to in that story and then how does that affect who we are? Because there's people in here, I, I know people through our interactions that are like the Pharisee. We're, we're, I, I like being a small enough group that I still know most of you, right? Because I can actually understand where you're coming. And there's, there's people through conversations that, that, you, that your default reaction is like the Pharisee. They think, who is that person? How can they be that? And so when you look at this story, I would ask you just repent of that and understand that, that there's an awareness of who you are. And your faith should be actionable in understanding of we welcome those people in. Yes, we know them because they're sinners, but we still welcome them in. Why? Because that's what Christ did to us. And so if your default reaction is like the Pharisee, like, how can he let that happen? Then you didn't repent of that because that's sin. That doesn't mean that we don't hold people to die. That's, the, that's, that's what the, the kickback. That's the pushback. Well, then we don't, we don't call sin sin. No, but if you're never in a relationship, you don't get that opportunity, right? You, you get to say it once. Like you're a sinner and they never come back. And most likely they never repent. And most likely they never know who Jesus is. And so you just basically condemned them because of your lack of love, because of what Jesus did for you. So if that's you, then repent of that. There's also people that understand it the right way, but you're frozen in fear. Like, oh, that's scary. It is. Just do it, right? There, there, there's some of you that are, are frozen in fear so much that you don't know what to do, so you do nothing. Just try something. Love people the way that Christ loved you, and you'll be amazed at how, at first it's negative, they always seem to come back because they get that nowhere else. The, the, the world doesn't offer that anywhere else. So if you're frozen in fear, repent of that fear and actually turn back to him and understand that. We don't need to be afraid of what men can do to us. We preach a gospel that has sustained itself and will always sustain itself because it's given by the creator of the universe. So we can say that. And really the, 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 the last group of people is that there, there are people here that never have submitted themselves to Christ. Even if you've heard the gospel message or haven't heard the gospel message before, you haven't submitted yourself to life. You haven't submitted yourself to Christ. You haven't followed up through baptizing, saying this is what's happened to me. And if that's you, then repent of that, that there is salvation offered. You don't have to change who you are. We don't expect you to walk in here and, and, and be fixed. Because we, we don't fix people. Christ does. And so we want to tell you that, that that's an okay place to be, that we want to grow with you, we want to disciple you, we want to teach you. And if that's you, then salvation is offered. Quit searching for it. It's found in Christ. And that's what we see in this passage. It's a woman that the world would not allow to even be in their presence. And God said, your faith has saved you. Why? Because it was rooted in the person of Christ. So go to him. If that's you, then we, I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to, to, to tell me so we can pray for you. So we can, if you need to be baptized, if you, haven't been, you understand it, but you haven't followed that, then, then I want to schedule a baptism service. We want to baptize people. It's an amazing expression of what God has done in people's lives. It's a celebration. So 
I just want to leave you with that. And as we sing the last song here in a second, it's a perfect song for this because it's no longer a slave of fear. And so as we're, we're singing that like song, it, it's, it's a response, but it's also worship. It's a continuation of that message that, that because of Jesus, we're no longer a slave to that. That in Christ alone, we have that forgiveness, whether we've accepted it and we're afraid to do something or we've never accepted it before. That's the message that's offered. It's forgiveness and it's free in Christ alone. So go to him with that. Let's pray.